0: A pair of entitled Karens get upset and offended that they can't walk in the middle of the road whenever they want. They even go as far as to knock on my door and complain about my daughter who basically put them in their place. And I've honestly never been more proud of my child in my life. Here's what happened. So we live in a very small and quiet neighborhood with sidewalks on both sides of the road. Those sidewalks are apparently unusable and or unacceptable to the two middle-aged women who live nearby. In fact, they made it a daily ritual to walk down in the middle of the road, side by side mind you, as if they own the road itself. It is obnoxious but our family is used to it at this point unfortunately. Now, my daughter's mild-mannered boyfriend had the unfortunate instance of encountering them yesterday. It was nearly dusk and he was rather taken aback by the figures skulking alongside his car as he and my daughter were getting ready to leave. His windows were down as it was an unreasonably pleasant afternoon here. And he said a bit too loudly to my daughter Do they know that there are sidewalks here? Oh, sweet summer child. They are well aware of those inferior footpaths. Though our sidewalks are uniform and well-maintained throughout the neighborhood, they're not quite wide enough for these two entitled Karens, especially when they're flailing their arms about and gesturing wildly whilst they gossip. These two geniuses might actually be the embodiment of mobile rumor windmills. But I digress. This was around the time I was summoned into the situation. My daughter's boyfriend and her had just left moments prior, which I knew for a fact, thanks to Life 360, which is an app that can basically track a loved one's location. I was just doing the mom thing, with my preschooler and toddler, so I didn't even hear the thumping at first. But then our doorbell rang, and it rang again and again and again, with a couple of them being in a frenzied pace. Within that 30-second span, I surmised that whoever was at the door would not be leaving until they got whatever it was that they wanted. As I opened the door, I realized that my initial reckoning was definitely correct. Before me stood the two flax and haired entitled Karens, with fire in their eyes and spittle in the corners of their now tightly lipped mouths. I think to myself, what on earth is going on? Something had troubled or offended them so greatly that their brows were furrowed, which is an astonishing feat considering all of the Botox that they had in their face. Before I could utter a greeting, the first Karen put one hand upon her ample hip, with the other hand balled into a fist, save one digit that was wagging about wildly. She declared to me, your daughter just left here, didn't you? didn't she? With her boyfriend, I would assume. I stared at her blankly for a second and then in an idiotically optimistic tone, I said, hi, it's nice to meet you. But before I could even finish, she interrupted me and said, your daughter just left, right? And it was at this point that I realized that I had the worst type of entitled Karen at my doorstep. And I knew right then and there that this interaction was not going to go well. I responded by saying, um, yes, just a little bit ago. What's going on? And at this point I was getting a little bit anxious. What what on earth had my daughter done? She's far from angelic. Few teenagers are. She's been caught doing some very facepalm-worthy stuff, for sure. But she's never been blatantly disrespectful or openly ignorant in her antics. So it really does beg the question, what on earth happened? The other entitled Karen blurted out suddenly by screaming, they told us to get off the street. And I think to myself, wow, this is what this is about? I blink back an eye twitch as both relief and exacerbation swept over me. Before I could react, the first street walker Karen swiftly jumped in by stating that they yelled. She said, they yelled at us to get out of the road. I stood there flummoxed for a second or two before the more vocal and dramatic woman continued. I mean, as a mom, I know I would want to know if my kids did something like this and the over exaggeration of her words were honestly really ridiculous. I respond to her by saying, oh, um, okay, thanks for letting me know. I'll go ahead and talk to them. And I said that as sincerely as I possibly could muster while also trying to mask the frustration building within me. She then began to repeat the last bit of information, stating that because I'm a mom, I would want to know this information. So I just closed my eyes and nodded empathetically and said, I get it. Got it. Thanks. I silently cursed my husband for being in the shower at that very moment. I had to stand there at least semi straight faced and pretend like I wasn't even a little bit proud of my kid and her boyfriend for saying something to these two morons. I can't speak for the rest of the neighborhood, but for me, it's gotten old dealing with these entitled Karen streetwalkers. I try to do a Good job of explaining to my preschooler that she cannot walk, play or be out in the road because it is really dangerous. But then she consistently sees these two entitled Karens saunter down the middle of the road, sneering at her while she plays nearby, which is honestly just childish. But seriously, I do not want any incidents or nonsense when it comes to the people who are within everyday walking distance of my house. I love our quiet, boring, uneventful little neighborhood. I'm friendly and I'm kind to everyone. But I'll quickly excuse myself if there is even a whiff of drama or gossip. Eventually I was snapped back to reality by the squeals of my toddler as he tried to escape the partially open door and I've never been more thankful for my kid in my life. I stammered out a hasty uh thank you but sorry I don't want this one to break free for it before I quickly shut and locked the door. And you know what? I took great joy and relief in securing all three of those heavy locks. Needless to say I really hope we don't ever have to deal with those people ever again. Honestly those Karen's super obnoxious. I mean, you are literally walking in the middle of the road. How can you possibly be upset about someone telling you to get lost and get on the sidewalk when you yourself are just obstructing traffic? Like, not only is that dangerous, it's really irresponsible. So good for the original poster's daughter for basically putting this lady in their place. Even though from the sounds of it, it seems like it was the daughter's boyfriend who said anything in the first place. And it was honestly just in passing. Like, how sensitive and weird do you have to be? But hopefully for the sake of the original poster, they never have to deal with something like that ever again. Especially when it comes to two entitled Karens knocking at your door at all hours of the night. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. Am I the Jerk for moving heaven and earth to make sure an employee had an exit interview, whether they liked it or not. So I'm the HR manager of a medium-sized company based out of the US. And I had someone tell me on Wednesday that their assistant was leaving. Let's call the assistant Andy. Andy is not their real name. I talked to Andy, who said his last day would be the next Friday. It's less than two weeks' notice, which is annoying but not illegal. And I understand that these things happen, so I'm not going to put up a stink about it. But unfortunately, Andy was a nightmare for the next week and a half. When trying to schedule interviews for replacements, he kept insisting on prioritizing certain candidates because he wanted to do it his way. He wouldn't follow our recruiting protocol and complained to his boss that we were pushing back when we most certainly weren't but the worst part was scheduling the transition meeting or the exit interview. At my company, our policy is to conduct a transition meeting and exit interview together. I do these meetings and they are usually pretty harmless. I give the employee their final paycheck as required by law, tell them about how to sign up for benefits after they leave if they want to, share info on porting over their retirement, stuff along those lines. After going over all the transition information, I will then conduct a brief exit interview, asking them about how we can improve the working experience and stuff along those lines. I always tell them that this exit interview is for their benefit as a final means of giving feedback to all of us. But I also make it clear that they don't have to share anything if they don't want to. All in all, these meetings usually take somewhere between 15 to 20 minutes. At first, I had a time on hold with Andy to do the exit interview on his last day. He then emailed me and said that he wouldn't be able to do an exit interview because his priority was wrapping things up for his boss. We'll call this boss Ben, also not their real name. I let him know that I needed to be able to give him his final paycheck and additional information. He told me to just leave the paycheck on his desk. By this point I'm fed up with him because his emails are incredibly rude so I CC'd my boss, the head of HR and we'll call her Carol even though that's not her name either. I tell Andy that there's more than just the final paycheck that I need to share and that I'd be more than happy to share more about our company policies in our meeting. I also said he's welcome to reach out to anyone on the HR team to ask. Andy ignores my email, but I follow up the next morning. I run into him in the elevator, and he literally refuses to acknowledge me, not even to say good morning or smile awkwardly or anything. And as you probably guessed, he ignores this email too. By the afternoon, I'm over it, so I tell Carol what's going on, and she eventually calls Andy. She tells him, hey, I heard from the original poster that she's having a hard time getting a hold of you to schedule an exit interview. He responds that he's just so busy wrapping things up for his boss and he really appreciates us following up, but no, he won't be available and if there's any issues, we can reach out to his boss, and this is where our malicious compliance truly comes into play Carol lets him know that this isn't optional, that it will only be 15 minutes, but if he is so busy we can certainly reach out to Ben to make sure there's time carved out he stutters and isn't able to make a coherent sentence, then says we don't have to do that, Carol says, oh it's okay, we understand the need to make Make sure Ben is on board? So we'll call Ben on his cell phone. She then just straight up hangs up. Well, we call Ben up and she says to him, I'm so sorry to do this, but Andy let us know that he won't be available for the exit interview. Could you please make sure he has time for it? We're trying to schedule something and we're having a hard time. He asks how long and she says it's only going to be 15 minutes. And at this point, his boss was absolutely appalled. He basically made it clear that yes, he should have at least 15 minutes. A few minutes later, Andy comes by and he He is fuming. He demands that we do the exit interview at that very moment. But I calmly tell him that there are important documents I need to prepare, which is why we are trying to schedule a time. Carol then calmly tells him that there are policies and procedures to follow when you leave a company. The assistant then says something that absolutely is hilarious, because he says that he doesn't appreciate us going to Ben and that he felt really disrespected. But Carol gently reminded him that he said it was okay to check with Ben, and we are glad that it's a priority now." After snagging a time tomorrow morning, Andy stormed down the hallway, we had our exit interview, and it all went over 15 minutes, simply because Andy got argumentative in the middle of this exit interview. So with all things considered, we will not be missing Andy and his poor attitude ever again. I gotta be honest, I'm not totally on board with the original poster on this one. I mean, the guy pretty much spelled it out. Just leave my paycheck on my desk. I don't have time for this. Like, Andy quit. He's not coming back. There's no reason to try and make his last bit of time at this company as miserable as you made it. You literally went above and beyond to pull him into a meeting, almost goading him into trying to get some kind of response. So based on what you described and the way you went about this in a very malicious way, I kind of don't blame him for quitting. Personally, I don't think you can force someone to do an exit interview, and I really think that's a toxic policy on your end if you're seriously just trying to corner this person just to try and get some kind of feedback for how you guys are doing. Because based on what you described, it does not sound like you guys are doing a very good job. Today, I'm by watching Netflix on my girlfriend's iPad while I was gaming and discovering messages from one of her ex-boyfriends in the process. And instead of approaching her directly and trying to figure out what was going on, I decided to bottle it up and wait till the last moment to try and talk to her about it. And now I realize that I didn't need to do that and I literally just caused myself anxiety and a lot of anger for literally no reason. Here's what happened. So as the title says, I'm a 26-year-old male and I had the day off. And my girlfriend at the time, who now has become, become my wife was out of the house at work so I booted up the Xbox for some me time and figured I'd throw a background show up on the iPad for some background noise. Anyways while I'm playing I kept noticing Facebook messenger notices from this one guy popping up on the screen. It was not really a huge deal. She had never given me any reason not to trust her and we both have friends who are boys and girls that are purely platonic friendships but this message seemed a little bit off because something he said in one of the message previews caught my eye and I ended up snooping against my better judgment and when I read this message it was quickly apparent that this guy was thirsting after her and while she didn't respond with anything I would consider outright cheating she also didn't try to put a stop to it the things he was saying to her telling her that if she was alone with him he wouldn't know if he could hold back his feelings for her despite the fact that she has a boyfriend all while reminiscing about their history for some context this is one of her ex-boyfriends who lived in another state she she had moved from that I later found out about. He was also encouraging her to leave me and go see him with the excuse of trying to have some kind of hookup when we were to be vacationing in that state a few months later. This all made my blood boil. I wanted to get a plane ticket, find this guy, and give him a piece of my mind. I distinctly remember trying to calm myself down with a nice shower at one point, thinking of what he was saying to her, and getting so upset, I punched the tile so hard, I thought I'd fallen over. Again, She wasn't the one saying this stuff And her responses were usually short And sometimes she would change the subject But she also wouldn't shut it down I didn't know how to approach it because Obviously I had breached her trust By reading the messages in the first place But their relationship was not okay Especially if we wanted to continue To be together I casually asked her about him once And she described him as just an old friend Which was a complete lie and I knew it But I didn't drag anything more out of her For several months I stewed over it the point where I considered ending things with her completely. I started looking for solid evidence of her cheating on me, but I knew that wasn't fair to her, as she wasn't the one fully responsible, and again, she never took things too far on her end. I finally reached a breaking point. We lived together, but every time I saw her, all I could think about were the messages. My mood would sour, she would ask me what's wrong, and I would just say that nothing was wrong, which was making her suspicious of me. Finally, after several months of anxiety and anger, which was beginning to to hurt our relationship, I broke down and I came clean. She admitted the true nature of their past relationship and that she knew it was too far, but she didn't want to lose a friendship. She promised to set boundaries with him and when he continued to break those boundaries, she inevitably ended her friendship with him altogether, which was certainly a show of good faith on her part. I learned that the best thing you can do in a relationship is have difficult conversations and avoid snooping anymore as I realized she clearly put me first. We have been married a couple of years now, and we both continue to grow together. And while this was a positive outcome, the months of panic attacks, anger, and general poor mental health were really trying and very nearly ended an otherwise healthy relationship. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you put yourself through a lot of mental torture. You put this off in such a way where it very easily could have been just addressed right away. Like you had a pretty easy in. You could have been saying, hey, I was watching Netflix on your iPad, and I accidentally saw some gross messages pop up as a preview. And this was coming from some guy. I mean, what is all that about? About, and then literally just let her explain what's going on and that probably would have solved all your problems right then and there so hopefully something like this never happens again because I can only imagine the anger and the frustration as well as the anxiety that you must have gone through over a situation that you very easily could have cleared up. An entitled customer freaks out on me when they realize that they need a physical ID to get their car out of the impound that I work at and despite trying to give them some kind of options to figure out what they're gonna do with their car, they continue to cuss at me and refused to work with me in the slightest. Here's what happened. So I work as a dispatcher and a clerk for a towing company in a popular northwestern city. We have a contract with said city to tow vehicles that are improperly parked, or have been in an accident, or were stopped for a DUI, or were simply just stolen. When towed, a vehicle is taken to our lot and stored until the owner comes to get it. And if the driver doesn't claim the vehicle, the vehicle does eventually get auctioned. It is our responsibility to safeguard the vehicle and the contents within it until such a time as it is redeemed or sold. On occasion, a person will decide that the vehicle is not worth paying the impound fee for and will simply abandon it. And that's fine. That's what the auction is for. They will often ask to get their property out of the vehicle before writing it off. And this is honestly no problem. The law and our policy states that whether redeeming the vehicle or getting property out of it, you have to show proof of ownership. We have registration information for most vehicles in our lot, so we know who owns it. Whether or not it was recently sold. So we always ask for ID so we're not giving someone's vehicle or property to the wrong person. Most of the time, we receive a driver's license. But on occasion, we'll get a passport, a tribal ID, or a non-driver state-issued ID. Those all work and 90% of the time, there's no issue. The other 10% is when someone actually tries to use a photo of their ID on their phone. Nope, not happening. It's too easy to Photoshop nowadays. And besides, I have to scan the code on the back of the ID no matter what. There are exceptions I can make in the case that someone's ID had been lost or stolen and all they have is a photo of the ID. For instance, if they have the temporary replacement ID from the DMV and the photo of their current valid ID, assuming that everything matches, I'll let them use it. Or if they have an expired one in hand and a photo of their current one, again, assuming that everything matches up, then just like before, I'll let them use that too. Well, last night the clerk at our other location called me up to verify that a photo of of the ID on a phone was not sufficient to release property and I confirmed that for him. He told me that the vehicle in question wasn't even at his location but was at mine and that the customers were told by another employee the day before that the photo of the ID would be sufficient. I looked in the notes for the call and saw that they had spoken to that employee but she had put no notes in stating that she gave them that information. I reiterated the policy and he told me that they were coming to my location and this is about where things started go south very quickly as I basically braced for impact for a very angry customer upset over their car. They arrived after an hour insisting that the clerk they had just spoken to told them that the photo was sufficient which I knew was complete BS. Then they fell back on the previous story stating that the other employee yesterday said it was okay and at this point I felt like this was some kind of scam but I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and I said to them I'm sorry that the other employee gave you incorrect information. I can't accept just a photo of an ID, and then I went on to explain the exceptions that I could make in this situation, and as you could probably guess, they immediately began screaming at me. They called me a liar, and they threatened to call the police. I told them to go right ahead and call the police. I pointed out that a bank would give them the same answer if they tried it there. I was given no explanation for why they had no physical ID. They went out to the parking lot to wait for the police, and after an hour since this was not a priority call, they finally left. Not more than an hour later, I get a call from a different woman asking questions about our next auction, which was later that morning. I answered her questions, and then she asked if a photo of her ID was good enough to get a bid or number. I told her that a valid, physical, government-issued photo ID was required. She then actually asked me if a Costco card would work, and I told her, no, absolutely not. She then hung up the phone, and then called right back and said, what about my Department of Corrections ID? And again, I said, no, that wouldn't not work with what we require and just like the previous person she cussed me out and she hung up on me again so the moral of the story is that you need a physical id if you ever dream of having any kind of business with us in the slightest that sounds like a really annoying situation not for the people that were trying to pick up their car but for the person who's the clerk and the dispatcher who is clearly just trying to do their job and they're trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and have opportunities for them to get their cars back the original poster even mentions that they don't judge why people's cars get Get impounded. Like sometimes it's a simple mistake or something goes wrong, and they're just trying to get their property back. But regardless, you need to have photo ID. And if these people really want to try and get their car back, then I think them showing their physical ID is truly not out of the question. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am Am I the genius? Check it out in the description below and subscribe.